Why are police photographing our license plate? What are we doing for veterans returning home damaged physically and mentally, suffering from depression, homelessness, and suicide? Why did the Supreme Court deposit corporate money into our electoral process? Should we redefine middle class as working poor? Or is it just another Wall Street merger? What's really behind new voter picture ID laws in certain states? Why aren't NBC, ABC, CBS, and Fox asking these questions? Welcome to the Reasonable Voice radio show. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice. The mission of the Reasonable Voice is to connect the dots between politics and finance, the need for better and more affordable education, our humanity, world peace, and, of course, the arts, which we then gladly provide our listeners, the voting public, as informative food for thought to provoke their self-determination and appetite for equal economic opportunity and justice for all without truth decay. The Reasonable Voices are advocates prioritizing education, preserving our history, leading by example for a peaceful and prosperous world by evoking and embracing both creative artists and political unity as solutions to our challenges. Good afternoon. This is the Reasonable Voices Talk News Program, and I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice. My guest today is a returning guest, Dr. Guy McPherson, Ph.D. He is the author of at least 14 weather-related books and many articles and videos about climate change. He is a professor emeritus of conservation biology at the University of Arizona and a leading voice educating us about abrupt climate change. Since December 2016, Dr. McPherson has had a regular column for the weekly hubris in Greece. And I know that Dr. McPherson wants to talk about abrupt climate change, and I want him to because his opinions are all educated opinions. But I also want to talk today a bit before we go about his latest book, which is now available. And that's the title, which caught my eye immediately, Only Love Remains, Dancing at the Edge of Extinction. But for now, let me welcome Guy McPherson, Ph.D. How are you, Guy? I'm good, Marcello. Thank you for the opportunity to converse again today. Well, I'm so glad to have you back. I know uh, things keep moving along on this subject of climate change, and I think each time I talk to you, I probably say it seems like the world is catching up with some of the things you were saying for the last 10 years. But I wonder when we have the USDA forcing climate change scientists to separate from the D.C. agency headquarters how do you, not not just your opinion, which of course I want, but I mean, how do we as a society deal with our own denial and doubts and fears if our leaders are, are throwing away the very people who can help us understand? What are your thoughts? Yes, that's a great question, and it's the sort of issue that I would argue we've been dealing with for decades, if Mm. not centuries. Mm. Government agencies, especially at the highest level, are not about telling the truth, at least not the full truth, and they never have been. Mm. Look at at the many wars we've managed to immerse ourselves in, despite the opinions, the overwhelming 
desire of the people to not engage in those wars. Mm. And yet it's almost always lies that get us there. So, you know, to expect those lies to turn around at this point would be asking quite a bit, I think. And yet I think it's certainly worth asking. It's certainly worth demanding from our government that we get the full truth while not actually expecting it. And I know that's a mixed message Mm. and perhaps oxymoronic, but, you know, I think that, that we, the people, need to demand the truth. We need to demand justice. We need to demand virtue from governments. And based on our history, I don't think it's reasonable to expect that, but we certainly can't tell them that. Yes, that's right. And and we need to be more, I think, proactive about if, if we don't get the truth, the next election, let's elect someone else and give them a chance to tell us the truth. And if they don't, then, you know, we have to be proactive in this. This is, um, this is not, you know, and it brings up the issue, although I do want to talk a lot about America today, uh, this, this issue, even the politics of it, but certainly the global characteristic of climate change is indeed a global issue, uh, to be redundant. This is all happening to the world, and in some places faster than others. And I, and I think possibly I would hope that by now there is enough happening in the, shall I call it, the pendulum swinging extremes of weather from floods to three-digit heat that we're experiencing in America do you think that's a, a a wake up call? I mean, more to that. I'm sure you think that, if I may speak for you. But uh, do you think it will be a wake up call for um, for Americans? I think there are relatively few Americans who are willing to be awake, mm. willing to be awakened. Yes, and that's that's why we're in the midst of abrupt, irreversible climate change instead of the relatively gradual climate change, which with, which with we were accustomed and what we heard about from, for example, Al Gore and warnings going back to George Perkins Marsh in the 1840s yes. in the United States. So, you know, it, it, our unwillingness to listen for so long, much less to take action, has landed us, landed us in a place that it's almost certainly too late for taking actions, no matter how radical. And, mm-hmm. you know, I don't say that with any sense of happiness. Yes. I don't want to be in this position. I understand. And and, and something else, I, I think, where I was headed actually with that question, but I'm glad I stopped and asked and got your answer, is that it's, some people are being fooled by, okay, it's a, it's a terrible uh, summer of floods or the hurricanes are much worse, but next year it may be better. And, uh, but the real issue, I think, is is what happens during these events, but also the aftermath. And what I'm talking about is what happens to the habitat of human animals. We keep thinking you can always go to the grocery store or order pizza, but what? how important, I guess that's the question, how important, make us understand how important the, our habitat for us, we the people and all the people on earth, is to our existence. It's everything. It's absolutely everything. We are animals, and as with every other animal on the planet, there's a relatively narrow range of conditions under which we can persist. And we call that habitat. For humans, it almost certainly 
falls within the realm of a relatively cool climate, the likes of which we are rapidly exiting now. Mm. Civilizations never, ever developed until the temperature stabilized about one and a half degrees Celsius above the last ice age. We never had something resembling this set of living arrangements that allowed us to store food in the first 310,000 years of the human experience of Homo sapiens, in fact, never mind the couple million years of, of humans before that. So this notion that we can even have bread on the shelves of the grocery store is not something that arose until the first civilizations developed. Mm. And that was just a few thousand years ago, and that depends upon the ability to grow, store, and distribute grains at scale. And that means a cool, stable temperature. And we're leaving that stable temperature behind us. That does not bode well for our continued persistence because it doesn't bode well for habitat. Habitat, habitat, habitat. If I was a conservation biologist, which I am, and not a realtor, I would replace location, location, location with habitat, habitat, habitat. Mm. That's where we are. That's what we're seeing go away right now. And and going away in every sense of that word. I mean, we. And why are we so unaware of it? I mean, are we sort of insulated by our air conditioners and high rises, um, big cities? But of big course. cities are feeling this too. But talk to me. Of course, that's a big part of it, and we are, as with all the other animals on Earth, we are poorly suited for rapid change. Mm. We are well suited for relatively gradual, what you might think of as linear change. In the days when we could predict with great certainty the next few weeks, based upon our look back at the last few weeks, life was great. Mm those days are largely behind us. We're in the midst of exponential environmental change, and that's not something our species or any others are accustomed to dealing with. And each of the previous five mass extinction events on Earth, and now we're in the midst of the sixth mass extinction on Earth, and those are characterized by very rapid change, not by the kind of linear change Mm. that we are particularly familiar with. And as a consequence, species disappear. That's why they're called mass extinction events. At least 50% of the species on the planet die during each one of those, go extinct during each one of those extinction events. And we're in the midst of the sixth. I don't see any way out. This one is driven by abrupt climate change on the positive side, a warming of the planet. And those tend to be the worst of them for all the other species on the planet. It shouldn't be a surprise that it's turning out to be the worst of situations for us either. Hmm. What, you know, I, I I should mention to people, I don't think I said this this time, but generally when I introduce you, I always say, but this is not a show about doom and gloom, so it might be a good time to say this now. There is an up... Yes, for those, for yes. those people who haven't turned off the show yet. That's right. Um, <laughs> because, I mean, there, it does need cold water in our face as long as it's still cold and, and clean, but we do need to to think about, okay, what is the solution? And if there is no solution, what is the solution? Because I think we do offer, I know you do in your books and videos, I should mention your uh, website, Nature Bats, B-A-T-S, last, uh, videos, books, um, blog. Uh, These are all very educational things. They've been there for years, and everyone needs to visit and and, uh, 
and and realize that this is real it's true don't believe politicians believe the scientists i'm a very religious man but i've never ever denied scientific proof and the educated mind and what they can do and on that i'll say this i'll throw out this bit of hope the one thing i've had a um a, a guest not terribly long ago said to me well when i think about climate change i think we never knew how to solve an emergency medical or otherwise until we did so however as a gauntlet if you will i i pass that along to our guest today uh, dr guy mcpherson phd and i say abrupt climate change means abrupt extinction of humans well it certainly seems that way because we are vertebrate mammals and habitat for vertebrates and for mammals is disappearing quite rapidly. To think that we could somehow escape relies on a great deal of unsupporting information. Mm-hmm. So I would like to think we can weasel our way out of this one, and every time I come across a potential solution or a partial solution, I immediately engage with the person who's proposing it and try to figure out how we can push that solution along. So it's not as if I'm giving up on our situation. However, I do live with considerable urgency given the kinds of thoughts that clatter around in my mind. I see. And you know, and I and again another thing we should mention, you you have been at this, I keep throwing out ten years, but you've been you have been trying to educate us, to trying to get our attention, trying to, you know, wake up. What is it uh, Cher does? She slaps uh, Cage's face and says, snap out of it. I think that's, that's my reaction to uh, every conversation I've had with you and all of the videos I've watched uh, that you have produced. How do we snap out of it? Uh, and and is, is even that a waste of time or, or too late? we snap out of it one person at a time we come across the evidence we evaluate the evidence with a critical mind one person at a time and if that level of awareness leads to personal actions I think that's all that we can actually hope for Mm -hmm. and that's fine if if my message which has now become adopted by considerably more people than just me. Mm-hmm. If it reaches a few people and those few people make significant personal changes in their lives, then that's a huge bonus for me. I mean, that's a huge plus. That's that's what my life as a teacher has always been about, is reaching the audience or the student one person at a time mm-hmm. and trying to see that change. You know, when you look at how difficult it is to change yourself, you realize how virtually impossible it is to change anybody else. And so that's what I'm trying to do is reach one person at a time, present the evidence to them. Maybe they will make significant changes that will improve their lives and the lives of the people around them. That's all I can hope for, really. And I think that's enough. Do you uh, often appear, I mean, guest appearances, speaking appearances? Are there ways of people to get in touch with you to ask you to come speak to their groups or their community? Oh, yes. I've delivered literally hundreds, perhaps at this point thousands of presentations around the world. Mm -hmm. 
and I have the the Nature Best Last website you mentioned earlier, GuyMcPherson.com, includes my email. Somebody can send me an email message, and we will start conversing about how to get me to your town, where I speak in exchange for travel expenses. So, you know, considering that I haven't earned a paycheck for more than a decade, considering that the quality of my public speaking is high enough that I could undoubtedly command thousands of dollars per presentation. The fact that I'm not interested in that should tell you all that you need to know about the how important I think my message is. Yes. I'll speak for free. Yes. Basically anywhere on the planet. You just bring me there, set me up with a venue, and away we go. Okay, I think that's a very good point at which we uh, can take a break. Uh, we are uh, once again learning a great deal from uh, what who I'd like to consider a good friend. We've talked so much. Dr. Guy McPherson, Ph.D., who has written a new book, Only Love Remains, Dancing at the Edge of Extinction. But Only Love Remains is what caught my attention, as so often uh, Guy's uh, message uh, speaks to me. And, of course, the passionately living a life of excellence is where I think uh, Guy is always telling us that's our choice do unto others as we would have them do unto us and let us take a break on that we'll be right back with Guy McPherson don't go away there's a lot more and now another film rental discovery welcome to the indie film minute every once in a while a young actor or actress gives a truly career defining performance think Abigail Breslin in Little Miss Sunshine or Quavenzene Wallace in Beasts of the Southern Wild Occasionally, filmgoers are lucky enough to witness two such performances at once, as with The Spectacular Now, starring Miles Teller and Shailene Woodley. Teller plays Sutter Keeley, a high school senior who focuses on having fun and living in the now, never fretting about the future. Following a night of drunken revelry, he wakes up on the front lawn of Amy Finnecke, a shy, nerdy girl played by Woodley. A spark develops between the two as they traverse senior year, but their growing relationship is threatened by Sutter's increasingly self-destructive behavior. The Spectacular Now is a heartfelt and realistic teenage relationship story, shining in large measure thanks to the compelling performances of Teller and Woodley, who shared a special jury prize at the Sundance Film Festival. Their scenes together provide honest vulnerability and palpable uncertainty, combining tension and tenderness in equal measure. The Spectacular Now lands with worthy impact for those in the age bracket and for the rest of us who remember it so well. The Spectacular Now, not in theaters, discovery through rental. Welcome back to the Reasonable Voices News Talk Radio Program. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, and our guest today is Dr. Guy McPherson, Ph.D. I asked him to come on because I do want to talk about his new book, Only Love Remains, Dancing at the Edge of Extinction. It's published by Wood Thrush Productions in New York, and we've been having quite a conversation about well, what's what's been on his website, Nature Bats Last, is about abrupt climate change. That's the word, you know, we hear climate change, we throw it around, used to call it global warming. They are actually slightly different, but in any case, abrupt climate change is what Dr. McPherson has been trying to teach us to be aware of and to 
and to prepare for and and live a life passionately of excellence toward one another. So let's get back and let a guy. I wonder. I I think I started to say. It seems to me every time we talk that the the world, if not always Americans, but the world is catching up with you and realizing that they need to pay attention. But recently, you know, the USDA thing with the sending the scientists to Kansas was a bad example of how America can respond. But what about this California's Sequoia National Park? We we all know it's the home of the world's biggest redwood trees. And now, and evidently for some time, they are being cloned as a fight against climate change. What what are, what are your thoughts about that? Well, you know, I, I think that's another case of technology attempting to keep up with runaway environmental change. Uh-huh. And I would love to think that it will be successful, but our previous attempts at technology have not played out well for the masses. Now, I'm the first person to admit that we are using technology for this call, that I use technology when I go to the medical doctor, for example, and that those are positive, at least for individuals in, in, in small, num- small numbers. But you look at what technology writ large has done for us as a society, and much of it is pointing us in the absolute wrong direction. Mm. I'd like to think we will have sequoia trees in thousands of years. I would like to think that the rate of environmental change will not outstrip their ability to keep up. Mm. But even if we have those trees in a thousand years or in a few thousand years, I'm pretty convinced that humans won't be there to see them, and I think that's quite a tragedy in and of itself. Yes, because of our inability to keep up with these rapid change, with this rapid change of environment of the environment. You know, I heard someone um, the other day, a scientist on television, who says, "Don't worry, the Earth will always be here. It, the question is, will we be?" <laughs> I thought, "Yes, that's it, yeah. all right, <laughs> exactly." What you know. Give us some ways, maybe so we can be on the lookout, I don't know, but what are some ways in which we can lose our habitat? Well, there are two dominant ways that have been called the McPherson Paradox by an online acquaintance of mine, Bill Eddy. Civilization is a heat engine, and this is based on the laws of thermodynamics. Mm -hmm. And seemingly, no matter how we run this set of living arrangements, the planet heats up. And it's that abrupt heating that in the past has caused the extinction of many, many animals. And so continuing to heat the planet will obviously drive us over the cliff. In fact, a relatively recent paper from... Um, December, late December of last year indicates that we're headed for a Pliocene type climate, which is two to three degrees Celsius warmer than what we're at right now, Mm. as early as 2030. And this is based on the representative concentration pathways of the United Nations Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, which we know is many times outstripped by what's going on with reality. So heating the planet through this set of living arrangements is almost certainly going to drive us beyond the point of 
human's ability to keep up. And worse than that, if we slow or turn off the heat engine known as civilization, mm-hmm. it warms the planet even faster through something called the aerosol masking effect. And there's a new paper on this topic just came out in the journal Science on the 8th of February, 2019, pointing out that we have massively underestimated the aerosol masking effect. In fact, an interview conducted coincident with the release of the paper with the lead author of the paper, Daniel Rosenfeld, indicates that we've underestimated by half the masking effect through aerosols in the upper atmosphere. And so that suggests that even slightly turning down the settled living arrangements through a stock market debacle, for example, or through the inability to grow grains at scale because of the rain bombs that have been afflicting the central United States, or so on, that something as little as a 20 or 30% reduction in industrial activity could cause a very rapid global average rise in temperature, way too fast for our species and many others to keep up. So that's the bad news. Mm. And the bad news, as you indicated earlier, seems to catch up to us every time we're having one of these conversations and faster than expected. Yes, and the news gets worse only because we've taken so long to understand the effect we are having on the planet. I mean, I think you told me once 1750 is an important date because... We generally say the Industrial Revolution began in about 1750, Uh so that's the baseline we generally use. Uh And I would argue that's when things really started to proceed much faster than they ever had before. Once we had the steam engine, then we had the petroleum combustion engine, and now, I mean, you know, Moore's Law that indicates speed of of our devices will double every 18 months and that's been going on for a while now everything's going to be going faster yes every time you turn around and and it appears there's no stopping it and at, at what point do we outstrip our own ability to keep up with the technology much less outstrip the planet's ability to adapt to our voracious demands yes yes you know speaking of everything seeming to be going faster and faster We've mentioned 2050, we've mentioned 2040, we've mentioned 2030, we've heard these dates. It keeps getting closer, but I know I read something recently that now it seems there, there's a, a growing consensus that the next 18 months will be critical in dealing with the global heating crisis, among other environmental challenges, of course. So what does That's that right. mean? What, yes, to explain that, please. Well, the, this is the... Um, the shifting baseline that keeps shifting back. It, we thought we had till 2100 based on the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change's assessments, and then in their October assessment, they indicated, oh, that wasn't right. We have until 2030. Uh, the month before that, the Secretary General of the United Nations says we have until 2020 yes. to, make rapid, to make rapid changes. And so you're absolutely right. There is increasing recognition that the rate of environmental change of the planet is proceeding too rapidly for our species and many others to keep up with. Mm. And so almost every few months we hear from some reputable body that we need to make changes right now or 18 months from now or one year from now or 10 years from now and so on. 
and those dates keep drawing, drawing closer, and we keep going past them. In fact, it was the director of the New York office of the United Nations Environment Program who, in ni- 1989, said we have 10 years. Mm. We have 10 years to turn this ship around. Well, that's been a while, hasn't yes. it? Yes. So uh, we, we, keep, we keep ignoring these warnings, and we've been ignoring them for so long that it's pretty clear that we're in the midst of runaway irreversible climate change and the consequences for the environment include the sixth mass extinction and so that's a bummer yes all right let's get to your book because again that's what caught my attention not that i don't always enjoy talking to and and learning from you guy but the title only love remains as we if you will i'm i'm now paraphrasing as we dance at the edge of extinction Tell us, um, uh, I know we've talked before, and I think I've mentioned it, and you too in this discussion, but we've talked before about uh, passionately living a life of excellence. Tell us about that, and tell us about the new book. What's the, what is the, what's the message for the new book, Only Love Remains? The, the message for the new book is a reiteration and an expansion of an essay I wrote and posted on my blog, DanielPherson.com, October 4th, 2014. That essay is titled, Only Love Remains. And the more I think about it, the more I think it's evident that just no matter what we do as a species, as a society, as a community, no matter what we do to our surroundings, to the environment, however, whatever we want to call that thing that, that in which we are embedded, that what remains in our personal lives and hopefully at the level of our community and society is love. Mm. Love for each other, love for the living planet, love for the people we spend time with. We, we were never guaranteed another day. Mm-hmm. You know, Homer in the Iliad, some 2,800 years ago, wrote that any any day might be our last. Yes. And in fact, he wrote any moment might be our last. And he was describing how the gods envy humans, mm-hmm. because for the gods, that's not the case. They just live forever. and mm-hmm. they have to, There's nothing new in any day. Because we're mortal beings and because we know we are mortal beings, we have the ability to take a stimulus, such as my message, for example, mm-hmm. and respond. And that respond can be rooted in love, or it can be rooted in indifference. It can, it can broadcast love, or it can broadcast hate. Mm. We have the power to choose our response. And in our response to that stimulus lies our growth and our freedom. And that's what Viktor Frankl said in his 1946 book, Man's Search for Meaning. Yes. And, and, I'm, and I'm just basically saying the same thing that he wrote those many years ago, that we can dance at the edge of extinction. Mm. We know that we're going to die. How we live in light of that information defines who we are, defines our character, defines the people we want to be with, and how we want to express ourselves to those people. Okay. Well, I do think uh, that certainly says it, and, that's, uh, I, and I, you know, I most often ask this question, but I think you've already answered it there, and that is, what's our takeaway? I, I don't know if you want to embellish even more, but 
what's our takeaway? When this when we finish listening to this radio program, what are we supposed to do? Yeah, we're supposed to live. Yeah. What do you love to do? How do you how do you love to live? Some people frequently ask me, in light of a climate change, where should I move to? Mm. And my latest answer is you should move to where you feel the most alive. Mm. And and you should pursue those activities that make you feel most alive. Yes. And, you know, we have to balance that with the work we have to do, the income we have to earn, the, the chores we all take upon by being human beings in a family, in a community, whatever. But we have a lot of control over the actions we take in our response to this most dire of situations. Okay. Well, Guy, I'm always uh, sorry to say goodbye to you. It, it's, it's not... As with, as with most in, of the most important lessons we need to learn in life, it's not always easy to hear, but as you say, we were never guaranteed the next moment. We were never. So how we live uh, defines who we are uh, and our life, and, and I think uh, whatever you believe happens after, it defines that as well. Guy McPherson, Ph.D., author of a new book, only Love Remains, Dancing at the Edge of Extinction. And one more time, Guy, if you could give us your website and email address slowly. Oh, yes, and I wanted to tell everyone, the spelling of McPherson is M-C-P-H-E-R-S-O-N. Guy, website. You can find all of my writing and my blog, Nature Math Last, at GuyMcPherson.com. And you just spelled it for the audience, so thank you for that. <laughs> and you can find my contact information there, most notably my email address, Guy.R.McPherson at gmail.com. If you couldn't guess, my middle name starts with R. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Guy. Thank you so much for uh, coming back and talking to us. It it's all for me it's always an inspiration so we wish you all the best in all you're doing because all you're doing is helping us to be the best we can be in whatever time we have left remember <laughs> we must we must live the way we want to live okay guy thank you marcello i appreciate the opportunity to chat yet again always always a pleasure take care now bye bye thank you Welcome to the Andy Phil Minute. Getting old. There comes a time when you start to realize it's too late to regain what's lost. You feel you've become too old to be relevant. The sometimes only slightly younger, the workplace and the world in general all seem to shy away. Yet even when we acknowledge that life may never again be as it once was or as we wanted it to be, choice remains. And there resides the potential for poignant, relevant, and deeply moving stories. I'll See You in My Dreams, starring Blythe Danner. Must we remember this wonderfully talented star of stage and screen merely as the mother of Gwyneth Paltrow? Here, Danner plays a widow and former singer facing just such a turning point. With a little help from her friends, she makes choices again. She falls in love again with Sam Elliott, no less. She begins to end her isolation and reconnect to the life around her. This is a funny and compassionate story. A story for all of us. I'll See You in My Dreams falls within the so-called silver dollar genre. 
sensitive films that touch the heart of a certain generation. A generation that is still ever growing. I'll see you in my dreams, not in theaters. Discovery through rental. Hello, I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, thanking you for joining us and becoming one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. The reality show that's America's new D-Day normal. Our news media insists we are in a new normal. To the degree we agree, we risk permanently casting ourselves as pawns of corporatism's political comrades. What is normal and true, from our revolution through Civil War to 1994 D-Day, Vietnam, and September 11, 2001, those preserving, protecting, and defending Americans and our Constitution were more often found on foreign battlefields than home with other priorities or bone spurs. Despite the sacrifices of a few for justice for all, women remain second-class citizens under male laws, banning even their right to make and live with their own life choices. And still, we're easily distracted by unpresidential administration news cycle stealing, while the immediate emergency crisis that is an America imprisoned by the Trump increasingly disconnects us from reasonable thought, each other, and the exceptional ideal of the American dream, the greatest victims of which still know not what they do. Choosing free will for life is an infinitely longer commitment to humanity than choosing birth, then walking away from the reality that America's middle class is as underwater financially as middle America is literally. And American dreams are swirling uncontrollably in tornadoes, destroying much of what we've left of an earth suffering from our lack of stewardship. So can we as individuals accept that for whatever time remains for earth and all life upon it, we choose to passionately pursue a life of excellence together, in reparation for time lost, talent unused, and good not done. Sadly, mass murder is neither new nor normal, whether it's 75 years ago or in lower Manhattan, Virginia Beach, Charleston, South Carolina, The Pulse, or Parkland, Florida, and there is nothing new, normal, nor patriotic about the masses who are mesmerized by politicians, TV ads, and talking heads rendering America vulnerable. If George Will can say, making an ass out of you and me, the Senate remains in the hands of his conservative friends to heal our political culture, we need to replace our current president. Shouldn't all ask what you can do for your country patriots aligned with when they see us and admit we've been bamboozled by an opportunistic right-wing populism reality show host and confess? Like torture at Guantanamo, Quantico's Black Hole and railroaded Central Park Five are evidence of American homage to China's Tiananmen Square cover-up. As my grandmama always said, the worst lies we tell are the lies we tell ourselves. And like her, Nancy Pelosi is a strong woman who, seeing the United States of America's big-picture challenge coming soon to a mental state near you, speaks for a long view for our national life. 
The thoughtless, self-serving, and vulgar insult Mike Pence, Clarence Thomas, Brett Kavanaugh, Stephen Mnuchin, Jim Jordan, Mitch McConnell, and Donald Trump are to we the people a confirmation of their being unsuitable American leaders. Nonetheless, the core responsibility of civilization demands we give the devil's tools the benefit of law, for this is the very foundation of America's original intent. Donald Trump was never a hard-charging, get-things-done CEO. Like all reality TV, The Apprentice was pretend, a bully wrapped in a secret inheritance inside a bigot. To cure America's Donald Trump infection, we must not follow his example, but rather we must defeat his malice aforethought from the inside out. We must psych out the craven psychopaths. We must take away from Donald Trump what he cannot live without. Trump's lifeblood is screeching worshippers, chanting applauders, news cycle dominance, daily headlines, talking heads after talking heads bespeaking his nothingness as lo and behold, men in arms snapping to his attention, women offering their breasts and Bibles for his autographed adornment, palms strewn at his feet, total Zekeil adoration. Deny him this, and he will shrivel like Dracula exposed to the dawning of a new day of freedom. Though, like the Russian hacks and American money that twisted our electoral college in his favor, what keeps our speaker and the wise awake at night? Prudent anticipation of the desperate acts of a cornered animal. For this unprecedented character's art is to deal out only simplistic retribution, seeking the sympathy of uncomplicated thinkers." Yet, there are no simple answers for addictions to gun violence, sexual harassment, ISIS child abuse, or swaging the greed of opiate makers. Nor is impeachment, if it leaves grounded in place, an electable Mike Pence riding the tattered coattails of misplaced sympathy. Reckless abandonment deserting individuals to homelessness and national security to whimsy is Donald Trump's M.O. So beware when trying to reason with the unreasonable, for such incitement to violence can be contagious. Nevertheless, the power of peaceful assembly cannot allow an unsound president, buffered by enchanted clones, to destroy both presidency and republic, nor our true normal. America progresses forward. Thank you, and join us. Become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Thank you for continuing to listen to, support, and share the Reasonable Voice Blog Talk Radio with family and friends, especially online. We enjoy hearing from you, and in response, yes, we are now accepting new company and business advertisers and welcoming organizations seeking to be one of our sponsors. So please do continue to email us at thereasonablevoice at gmail.com. However, if you prefer to simply make a donation, your donations are greatly appreciated and can be made through PayPal by clicking on the donate button found at the top of the homepage of the Reasonable Voice. Website. Thank you for joining us today to make every day as reasonable as possible. We hope you will download and share our downloadable podcasts. I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, hoping you will become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world.
guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.